0: And gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you as always, his Bob. laughing in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. I'm very blessed, and I'm full of gratitude. Sometimes to receive emails from people who enjoy previous episodes. Jenny uh, Fritz has been on the show several times, and uh, a few days after the latest episode, I received a message from tonight's guest. And um, I'm always in the mood to talk about empowerment. I'm always, always in the mood to talk about mindset. I'm always in, in the mood to talk about becoming your best self. You know, I haven't been doing this podcast for so long because I I feel like podcasting in general is like, it's almost therapeutic. It's free therapy. You could tune in each week. I don't charge you any money. You could listen to me, (laughs) interview people and maybe pick up little bits of factoids about life that could help you live a better one. And, um, I went through tonight's guest Instagram and I was very moved by some of the posts that she does. Um, she's here to talk about all sorts of different things, um, like achieving success on your own terms and doing things your way, my way or the highway. <laughs> with that being said, please give it up for Jen. How are you doing, Jen? Good.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love that intro.
0: <laughs> so country coaching, it's like so catchy, right? So I grew up in country. It's very confusing for uh, for me because I was like in the White Marsh Country Hawking area, but I identified with country. How do you identify with Country Hocken?
1: So live here right now. Um, love it. I'm not from here originally, but Conchi just feels like home. Like, it's just a really fun, small community. Um, And we'll actually get into this later. I'm actually moving away from Conchi, but Conchi will still be in my name because I just feel like you can't say Conchi without smiling. Like, it's just a really welcoming community. And I've loved living here the past six years.
0: So, to be honest, like as you said, that here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. This is what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking about being a kid and thinking about the word kanchi and hearing people say it as adults. And like now that I'm an adult, and I also talk to other adults about how they have this affinity with the word country or country hack, and I too know what it means because in that car, thinking about the word country and I used to think, man, would it be so cool if there was like a TV show about country hacking? You know what I mean? Like it'd be wild, and like you know, they'd never like you know. I mean, I guess they try to do it with like Desperate Housewives back in the day about a neighborhood, but never about like a town where it's like you know the town, you know the individuals in the town who do all the cogs in the wheel. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, but country definitely has that vibe.
1: Yeah, like you, you can walk anywhere and go to any restaurant and you see somebody you know in some fashion. And especially with the pandemic, like I feel like the pandemic has brought us all together so much more. Like. Where I live, like we're far enough from downtown that we don't have to deal with it, but close enough that we can go if we want. And I knew like a few neighbors, but since the pandemic started, like the driveway drinking started, the hangout started, and it's making it almost that much harder to leave now because I'm like, I'm literally giving like I'm leaving all my friends. Like I Okay,
0: so for the listeners out there, you are moving to the West Coast. So I mean, I can say unequivocally that you've you've ever been before? yeah okay so you know what it's like yeah i could see the this is an audio podcast but i could see the amount of uh, overwhelming sensation coming around your face because the west coast for those who've never seen it it's it's the old world vibe it's got this old country type i don't know how to explain it the first time i saw the coast of pacific ocean and like malibu i was blown away i was like this is not the jersey shore okay this is not the schuylkill you know what i mean this is is. something totally different but you're going um tell everybody where you're what state you're locating to again
1: yeah so i am relocating to central oregon um so the cascade mountain range and it's been on my mind for a while and it's funny because again audio only people can't see you can't even see on my office wall is a decal it's actually a nursery decal for kids but it's in my office of the cascade mountains so every day I have been staring at the Cascade Mountains over my computer monitor, and now I will be able to stare at them from my actual window.
0: So um, I, I can tell, though, from your hat, because I can't tell exactly what it says, but I know yeah, Pacific Northwest. I knew I knew that logo. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a Pacific Northwest, but it's also got that old school, Lake Sierra Nevada font type thing that I love so much about the, the West Coast. So I spent lots of time in Los Angeles, but I spent quite a bit of time in yosemite national park and that was like once a month we would go up there in the band that i was in um it's just something different about it up there it smells different you know like it 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 just encompasses everything are you somewhat of an adventurer
1: yes my husband and i are huge hikers oh cool um which is why we're going out there and you're so right with like the Old school feel and like the old way feel because the town that we're moving to is known for two things it's known for rodeos and the quilt festival. Oh, and wow. You walk into this town, it's a population of like 2,500 people, and you walk in and you walk through downtown, and it feels like the wild, wild Old, old West. Like yes. I used to take trips to Tucson, Arizona as a kid, and it's like you just pick up the wild Old West, you know, tourist site and you just plop it in central oregon and that's where i'm moving
0: (laughs) you know i think though that that old wild west feeling that you're talking about it's something it's special to like reconnect with like as a um as an american but as a a frontier like, like america was built on the fact that we're supposed to like go travel to and front you know what i mean like not be like ah I just want to be over here for the rest of my life. I never understood that about people like, you know, like I'm at this point now where like, I have to stay here. It's like, I uh, am part of the community. I'm a soccer dad. Can't go nowhere, but there's this whole other part of me at nighttime that like takes over. It's like, man, what would it be like if I was in Tibet right now living large, you know, doing things my way or the highway, you know what I mean? And, um,
1: and it's like, what would change or w- what would happen if you decided that, you know, we can pick up and move around and rather than being a soccer dad, I'm a travel dad. And like,
0: well, I'm going to be though. So I've made this yeah. contract. I've made a self-contract with myself where it's like, look, just because your dreams are, you know, not realized doesn't mean that they can't be put on hold. Like some people are like, oh, it's that now or never. Mm. Like, no, I know within 10 years that once my son is grown, that I will become like I I've I've gone off the cuff Jen you know I've had um three careers I left one career in education and you know many thought I was nuts into the pandemic and then they were like applauding me which was to be quite honest like in all sincerity and like um candidness it was like it made me sad it was like oh like I didn't leave teaching because there was a pandemic i left teaching because it was emotionally too much for me you know like it was uh exhausting you know Mm -hmm. i could have handled the pandemic i handled swine flu you know what i mean but i never even made that realization until right now that's why i love podcasting See, this is what i'm saying ladies and gentlemen it's like therapy okay so i just paid zero amount of dollars there's no deductible you know what i mean like i'm on my way I, There's, I'm I find, pause it you right, for, yeah, go ahead, please. Jen. I was gonna say, I'm
1: gonna pause you for a second right there because there is so much power to speaking our truths, so much power to getting it out of our heads and out into the universe. Because it's like the moment we speak it, it's like realizations happen
0: constantly for me, and you know, I really have become in tune to it. With I used to think that I was, but I was metaphorically in tune to it the way that somebody would be that they buy incense at the surf shop in Ocean City, thinking that I was you know <laughs> ethereal or something like that but during the pandemic i really like i kind of you know i entered therapy and i really started doing a lot of um self-care and self-discovery of myself and things that i never knew and really start paying attention towards my emotions and like we're human and like you know one of the things that like uh, i always struggled with growing up in the 90s was i was under the guise of the the 70s and 80s culture of being um the guy that can crack the, the Budweiser can, the guy that's Rambo shooting the bow and arrow on top of the hill that blows up the town below and like not being in touch with your emotions. And it's like, that is such a shitty way of living. And it's like, now that I'm a dad, I constantly talk to my son about like, so how are you, feeling? you know, How did it make you feel when so-and-so did something? And like that to me is like the greatest discovery for me because also too, it's like, I just like, like you know, I identi- didn't like I was thinking like recently, like, why did I why do I feel that way? I feel that way because. I guess I identify as a male, but you know what? My soul isn't a male or a female, I don't feel, you know, I feel like my soul is just like, eh, I can go either way, Bob. You know what I mean? Like, I I just want to like be free is like what my soul is trying to tell me. And it's not gender neutral. So like people are like, oh, I don't like the transgender people. I'm like you're not even thinking like deeper meaning. Like what is your body telling you? What is your self truth? What is your discovery? Mm-hmm. How did and you get, how did you get involved with the practice of exploring such depths?
1: Yeah. And I feel like there's so much to unpack right there. Um, and, and I'll answer your question in a second, but I also feel like genders are labels that hold us back. Sometimes when people are like masculine energy and feminine energy, and I don't really ever coach around that stuff, but like, there's just so much power to understanding our emotions. And I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. She is a research, um, social worker. She's a PhD who studies like shame, courage, empathy, shame, a whole bunch of things. And in some of her books, she talks about how the mean number of emotions that people know are three. People know three emotions, happy, sad, and pissed. Like that's not okay. We have 34,000 emotions and we should be able to feel all of them. The comfortable ones, the uncomfortable ones, the happy ones, the sad ones, the angry ones, the like mellow ones. Um, But I got into coaching after my own face down moment. Um, I worked my way up through the corporate ladder and I had suppressed like many, all of my emotions. I thought emotions had no role in the corporate environment. I still am teaching myself to feel emotions and to not buy into toxic positivity. Um, but after suppressing emotions and just being like, it'll be fine, just keep chasing happiness. Like, I did not even know what happiness meant. But it wasn't until I like found myself literally crying like ugly, snotty tears in my boss's office because he said no to something that I was like, this isn't, this isn't normal. Like this isn't normal. I'm, I was not an emotional being. I know we're all emotional beings, but like I had been taught to suppress all of my emotions. Mm. And in that moment to go from being a like emotional black hole and wall to hyperventilating in my boss's office. That's what it took for me to be like, something bigger is happening right here. Like this has nothing to do with the fact that he said no to this project. This has something because like my soul is breaking out of me and my purpose (laughs) is breaking out of me and being like, you deserve better. You are capable of so much more. And thankfully he didn't really know what to do with me in that moment, but he was like, go home. It was a Wednesday. He was like, go home, go hiking. I'll see you on Monday. Like, okay. Probably the best thing he ever did as a boss. Um, And I went hiking. And when I was hiking with my dog, I had that realization. Like I, I finally took time to stop and figure out like what led me to that moment. And like, at first I was really angry and pissed. And I was like, you know, my boss did this and -and so-and-so did this. And my parents, like they were the ones that told me to pick this career. And, I'm sure my parents are going to listen to them, and my mom multiple times has now been like, "Do we need to talk about what happened when you were a child?" I'm like, "Nothing happened when I was a child. I had a great childhood." <laughs> but like, we are told to walk on a certain path, and
0: yeah, we are. Our culture tells us to do that, and it's like, yeah, it's it's exasperating, and it's- that's part of my story. Is very similar to yours. Is that I wanted to lead a artistic artisan path and i was led to believe that that would lead to nothing but struggle
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know and um strife and being on the corner of 202 asking for change because you can't get a job because you can't and get
1: that a job. you know
0: it, i mean yeah so so it's weird so like we are not allowed anymore at all jen to feel the naturalistic process of becoming one with nature so that's where we yeah. got off course completely for yeah. everybody out for anybody out there who's listening it's not your fault you feel this way it's really because we were supposed to be like just all chilling together and like surviving and that was yeah. it and like just being like i love you i love you please come help me help i'll help you hey oh so-and-so is sleeping with so-and-so it doesn't matter we're all together over here and like we love each other and we're moving through the forest and we're living life and we're feeling good about one another, people." that I've spoken to at length in the podcast who are also artisans or people who are musicians who are in a collective circle of um, people who are talented, but as they get older and not be able to produce an income for it, feel a tremendous amount of guilt, which leads them to depression and then leads them to not accentuating their full being as an artist because their flame has been fucking put out. Like, you know, and that's like, I see like, I I felt that a couple of years ago. Like I like, you know, when I realized that my music career wouldn't work, I felt immense sadness and I felt like guilt. And I felt like, oh dude, like I made such a contract with myself. I could do this, you know. And I came to the self-discovery gen that I was doing it not. I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I was doing it because my parents wanted me to be something else. And I was like trying to prove to them that I would do it and like overcome the adversity of existing in the you know in the 1980s or whatever like and um it's a weird story that many people our age share because it's like mm-hmm. we were thrown into this system and like you know it's so odd as we record this podcast at seven nineteen p.m bobcast um that like, you know, the number one like show on Netflix is called Squid Game, which I haven't seen yet, but apparently is about dystopian future where people have to compete to like live their lives like, you know, accordingly. And it's like, that's all we want to do is like live our lives.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's so much to be said about like everything you just said, right? So like we're, t- there's this preconceived notion of success, which is given to us by our parents, our mentors, our teachers, like. Whoever is in our social bubble growing up, they're like, this is how you be successful. This is how you pay the bills. This is how you, you know, get married and have the kids and, you know, the white picket fence and like all of that. And then there's also all of these self-sabotaging behaviors that come as a result of that, whether we want to prove somebody wrong or we're people pleasers. And it's not until we realize that there's another truth out there that we can truly start to step away and redefine success for ourselves. Like for me, I realized I was put on this. And I think I always knew this. I was put on this earth to empower and inspire people. I firmly believe that throughout my entire life, I have stepped into different roles, like from a kid on my softball teams, to being a snowboard instructor, to even in my corporate job, I was, Member on the wellness. I always tried to like. I always tried to step into roles that would allow me to empower people, which is why when my boss said no to that project, which was a project to empower and inspire, like empower my sales team to help an underserved segment of the market, when he said no, it crushed me because I'm like that's my purpose, and it wasn't until I took a step back and was like, what does success mean to me? It does not mean making a boatload of money so I can retire one day. Success means helping other people and living my truth and being free to do whatever the hell I please to do.
0: Wow. You know, I've never, ever had a podcast moment quite like this, Jen, where I was like, she's going to be back on the show. I want to talk to her again. <laughs> like now you've you've signed up for the trilogy. I hope you'll be back for two more episodes. You got it. <laughs> because you're speaking my language girl. Cause it's like, God, dude, I feel that so deep to the core where it's like, how you treat people matters. And like, it's such an important part of life that people are like, ah, I don't give a fuck ah, I'm about me. Oh, my generation. This is me. I'll do what I want. Oh, I got an app. I'll do this. You know? And like, I know it's so easy to be distracted, but it's like, that is the major temptation of our time. That is the major sin. If you're a religious person out there is like, looking down and then not looking at other people potentially to help you know what i mean like i i I say you have to help people and you have to like have faith still in humanity and you have to like engage with it you know um i had a new neighbor move in and i showed him around town and i took him to the north farm park and i hadn't gotten a compliment in a while jen that like uh like you know how like you know like you go about life sometimes and like you're like oh yeah i forgot like people get like say nice things about you and it makes you feel a certain way. And he was like, wow, i never never, I noticed that you say hello to everybody that comes by. And I'm like, yeah, I just do. And like, I say it a lot on my show. Like, I feel like it's a joke that we don't like all look at each other when we're at the mall. You know what I mean? Or if you're at line at Chick-fil-A or whatever you're going to be, like, you know what I mean? Like, why not acknowledge each other's presence by like, it's just weird. It's, it's like, like we're you're not, on
1: an elevator and everybody looks to the ground. It's like,
0: even yo, before the cell phone, hi. they did. It's
1: like, Like, I get it a little bit with the pandemic, right? Like, we're all socially awkward. If you weren't socially awkward before, you're very socially awkward now. And if you were socially awkward before, I don't know what you're doing right now. But like, nobody looks at each other. Nobody says hi.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like, we're all human. Last I checked, I'm not, not, I don't have an ulterior motive. I'm just saying hi.
0: (laughs) It's weird because people like, they forget that we all, like, I, like, that's like what I, like, I don't necessarily have a religion. I don't have. Uh, a path that i identify with but i do know that like there's paramount things that are important i really think that even your worst enemy could be you in another life you know what i mean and like some people tend to think that reincarnation is like i'll be back as a steak i'll be back as a butterfly bada bing what a you know Oh, up a long of teach, but you know what I mean? Like that's not the case sometimes. What if it's like every person on life is a life that could be lived? Like I heard that once in a Buddhist like philosophy. It's like if you go to the airport and you see like this regular old guy walking down, like that could be you in another life. But what if that is you and like you're destined to live everyone's life? Like, I'll be you, Jen, you'll be me. Mm-hmm. We'll be Jenny Fritz at one point, you know what I mean? Like we'll jump around, we'll be like, you know james gandolfini at one point like whoever you want you know what i mean like and i think that that makes sense to me sometimes it's like oh like yeah like if you live that life like you're not like thinking about like you know bad things you're not you're like altruistic and you're not like you know somebody that's like anti-semitic or like you know hating on somebody because of their sexual identification like that i god it's so exasperating when that still comes into like public view. It's like that shouldn't exist no more. It's like totally we're, we're humans, you know, like we have impulses.
1: And what's what's really crazy is, and I talk about used to talk about this in one of the group coaching programs that I did, um, is one of the core things that I coach around is acceptance. And when you look at the political spectrum, right? Both ends of the right and the left side. The extremists on both sides are actually very much the same person. They are operating from a state of fear and they are trying to control everything that's happening because they are so afraid. And it's crazy when you start to think like holistically because you think like, oh my God, like extreme lefts are so different than extreme rights. But I'm like, they're not we're all human, we're all afraid, we're all afraid of something being taken away from us. And it's just how extreme are we willing to be to protect ourselves? And how open-minded are we willing to be to see, is there another way to look at this? Is there another way to accept people? And when you look at acceptance, and I always use politics as the way to explain this, because you can accept somebody for having a different opinion. You don't have to understand them. You don't have to agree with them, but it takes a really big person to be like, I accept that we don't agree on this. I accept that you have a different position. And it's like, and if you, if the whole world can get to a place of acceptance, none of that shit matters anymore. For
0: one day, like, you know, like all it would take is like one day, Be like, ah, I'm cool. We don't have to fight. And like, you know, like the whole idea of like killing somebody, like, God, dude, like what is up with, you know, like, I mean, I've done, like, a lot of research um, as to, like, what can cause people to go crazy and, like, stuff like that. And I've had some friends be um, committed. Some have gone to jail. And, like, they've done some really uh, deplorable shit. And it's, like, what makes somebody go bad? And it's, like, it also goes back to my statement about, like, the reality that, like, some things are just cogs in the wheel and they're meant to be, you know? Maybe it's meant to be that way so you react to it. Towards it in your life, and then maybe later in that life can be like saved in another way. Like bad shit happens, and like people all the time like used to be like I I read this also, I think it's a book called Conversa- Conversations with God. And there's a quote, and it could be misquoted because you know my neighbor came over today with like a six pack, and I was like, I can't drink, I got a podcast, but I have one anyway. But I think the quote is um so God, so like when God created like humankind, like God had no clue like what a human was the same way that like a painter would be like, I'm going to make some shit today. And then like, they make the painting. They're like, I don't know what that is, but that looks cool. How do you feel about it? That's what like the God or whatever was all about was like, I'm going to make something and I'm going to see how it feels. And then I can help you. So like when people are parents and their kids get sick and they're like, God, why would you do this shit to me? Like I can imagine God in heaven in the book, like talks like this and dialogue be, being like, I don't know what I, I don't know what I was doing. Like I, I just made something and I can't figure out like what's going on with you, but I just wanted to feel what you're feeling. And I'm like, Oh, that's the God. I understand. That's so the God a, mistake.
1: There's actually a story and I'll like condense it, but there's, and I, I literally have no idea what the source of the story is. I've heard it from a couple different angles at this point, but there's this story and it comes down to the concept that there is no good or bad. There is no good or bad. There just is, and the story is that there's this king, and the king is. Oh my god! I also had a beverage before. It's okay. Don't worry um, about it. It's okay. But basically, like we're he's not sponsored. The chosen one, solid. <laughs> so he's like the chosen one, right? So like mm-hmm. he and his doctor dude go out into the woods hunting, and in the process, the king loses a finger. And the doctor's like, oh my God, like, this is so bad. This is so bad. Like, oh my, and the King's like, how do you, how do you know? Like, how do you know if it's good or bad? Like, it just, it just is. Um, and like, it goes on. So like the King's missing a finger, the doctor's freaking out. And then these like native people in the, in the woods come and they're like, oh my God, it's the King. It's the chosen one. We have to capture him. And they don't capture him because he's missing a finger. And they're like, he's no longer the chosen one. He's not perfect anymore. And he like, basically, again, the doctor's like, oh my God. And he's like, see, there is no good or bad. There just is. Like you thought me losing a finger was terrible, but it's not. It just saved my life. And it's like, what would change if people didn't think about good and bad? Hmm. What if people just thought like everybody is doing the best they can? And there just is.
0: Yeah, that that's what I like. I think that like most. I mean, like like a, a story of self-empowerment, I'm not sure if I share this yet or not, if I haven't repeated myself, whatever you guys are with me. <laughs> um. So I was at this job and this job was bringing me down. Like the employees were just mean to each other. I couldn't stand it. They were mean to me. I'm 41. I mean, like, I don't like I'm from a different generation I, and I got like soft, I guess soft the qu- quotation marks in my old age, but like I like treating people nicely. These people were not nice to each other. And I just quit. I quit. I told the boss, I was like, look man, you're cool. But like your employees, they suck. You're not here all the time. I got to deal with them. And they're just bringing me down. And he was like, you can't do this. Like you're like the face of the company. I'm like, I I, I gotta tell you, I, I feel like I got to go. And it was like, The first time ever, ever, like, and I've been at the job for like two, three months. I was already pretty much grandfathered in whatever, you know, but like, it was the impulse of my soul being like, you know, you're a piece of shit when you come home from this job. And, you know, like, I used to hear that all the time back in the day and I would never, I would never listen. But something during the pandemic, when I had all that time to think to myself and like be like, oh, like, this is my life. This is. This is like how I have to like think now thinking about what I want and what I really want is happiness. Quit the job. Dude was shocked. The boss was like, what? I thought we were boys. I'm like, we were past tense. Five days later, he comes to my house and offers me a job editing video from home. I took it and I never would have got the job working from home, being my best self, being at home for my family, cooking five meals per week. Okay, I do the laundry, I do all the chores because I am that guy. Okay, on both sides of the fence because I was a stay-at-home dad, and I know I got a lot of public fodder for that online because people like, oh, he's soft, he's this, he's that. But guess what? It takes a real man, or excuse me, a real human being, to raise a human. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And like, be there presently, and Mm -hmm. like, I just my my soul, like as I got older, was like, nah, 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 nah. I'm in charge. I want to live, you know? And like, some people just need that wake up call. They're like, how do we get there, Bob? I don't know. I don't think as free as you. I don't think as free as Jen, you know, like, what can I do? And it's like, you really got to start by like sitting with yourself. And like, I think meditation is a great start. What do you, what do you think?
1: That meditation is a little deep for some people. It literally comes down to believing you're worth it and setting a damn boundary. Yeah, You set a boundary. You were like, this job is no longer serving me. It is draining my energy. I'm going to set a boundary around my time and my energy. And I'm going to quit. And
0: yeah, if okay. you
1: hadn't stood up for yourself and if you hadn't set that boundary and said, I'm better than this.
0: Yeah. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to everybody it's, out there. And I was like,
1: nah, not today. Yeah. And it's like, and it's so funny because people all the time they're like, well, how, how do I do? I'm like, you say No. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, 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 but how? I'm like, that's how you you say no. You if somebody asks you to do something and you don't want to do it.
0: So you why say okay, no. so Jen, here's a great question I would like to ask you. And like this podcast has been so free flowing, by the way. I don't know if I've asked many questions because we have just ideas that are like the same, um, which is fun. I don't know if there's a name for that, but my assistant he quit too a long time ago. <laughs> um, oh, I lost my train of thought. That oh, was a good one too. See, this is what happens when Foundry, a... saying no, oh, yeah, why does people not okay, like what when did people go so wrong off the path of self importance self happiness that they say yes to things they really want to say no to all the time
1: so there's there's a lot of deep shit here, um, but. At the end of the day, there's a there's a couple big things that I tend to see. One is we live in a hustle economy where being busy, being a hustler, those are that's seen as success. So even if people don't want to do it and know that they're burnt out, they like feel bad and feel like they can't keep up. You have the social media game where like everybody posts the perfect life on social they can do it. I'm like, well, no, they, what you don't see is the box that they kicked out of the way and the screaming baby in the background and everything else. So there's, there's the element of the hustle economy. There's a lot of people pleasing and fear of judgment. Um, but I feel I had this really deep conversation with another coach a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking about how our generation really struggles with not struggles with, but like we're starting to feel empowered to get that work-life balance. Um, I'm 35, so I'm technically a millennial, um, even though I'm on like the older end of it, but I'm still very much a millennial. Um, and I'm seeing that my generation is starting to be more empowered to take life back and to say F the rules, F preconceived notion of success, because we see We saw our parents who worked their asses off and saved for retirement just to lose it all in the 08 crash. And why would we, and we've been told from the time that we were babies that we're not gonna have any social security to rely on. So we're paying into a system that's not gonna pay us back. And we saw our parents lose out of everything. So we're starting to realize like we should live now. We shouldn't wait until retirement because we might not ever be able to retire. And then she's older and she was like, well, it actually goes back before that. Cause her generation, basically her generation is when both parents started to work. Yeah. Because it was, the dad was working from home. And all of a sudden the mom was like, well, if I want to, if we want to give the, the life that we want to give to our kids, then I have to go to work too.
0: Oh my God. This is like a movie like frame in the beginning of like buying into the system,
1: buying into the system, it's society. And it's, It's society, it's capitalism, it's like-
0: Okay, Jen, let's go even deeper down the paradigm of reality here. And let me ask you a deep question, okay? Yeah. Is this system created by- Hmm. Okay, so the system has to be created by the subconsciousness, I believe. And the subconsciousness of being like, I don't know what's gonna happen to me when I die, so I need order. Is that where it comes from? Or do you think that there's financial power says other people have led on to be- believe at the back of the dollar bill that are subconsciously telling us to consume, 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 work, 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 and buy into the endless for okay lifestyle. Or do you think we do this to ourselves because yet we're so afraid of facing our maker?
1: I think it is a combination of all of it. I think there is a lot to be tied to the capitalism and the you know buy this it will make your life easier consume consume like why I'm in the process of packing my house why do I have so much shit like I have like 40 medium boxes why it's just me and my husband we live pretty I thought a minimalist lifestyle apparently not but I think because of the generations, right? Like generational, whatever, our subconscious, I'm gonna go, you asked to go deep, we're going deep. Our subconscious brain, or our conscious brain forms between the ages of seven and 10. Every single person's gremlin message or the inner critic message that says, I'm not good enough because, forms between the ages of seven and 10, which is directly related to our upbringing. So whatever messages our parents were raised with, they tried to instill on us to protect us from emotional harm so that we didn't have to endure whatever the hell they had to endure happened during our childhood. So between the ages of seven and 10, something emotionally traumatic, doesn't even have to be that traumatic, happened to all of us that we were like, oh my God, that was scary. That caused me pain. I'm just going to tell myself this message because there's no way my parents would hurt me because my parents are supposed to protect me. So therefore I'm not good enough because. And our conscious brain at that point starts to say, I'm going to do these certain things to protect myself from that same emotional pain. And I forget the exact statistic, but like 60% of every day is a direct repeat of the day before. So like we're living the same with the same brain, basically that we Mm -hmm. formed when we were seven to 10 years old with the same damn messaging. So I think it's a combination of all of it, which is why it's so important to figure out like, what was at the root of your gremlin message and your, I'm not good enough message. And what are you trying to protect yourself from? Because the moment you realize what you're trying to protect yourself from, and the fact that you no longer need that protection is the moment that you can become free.
0: All right, so it's the forty-minute hour of the podcast, and this is where I get really real and tell people shit that they've never heard about me ever in three hundred twenty-three episodes. Uh, I am a child of emotional um, neglect. My mom had um, postpartum depression, and I don't really remember my mom. And then my mom had um, my brother, and when my mom had my brother, I was seven, and that was the emotional uh, a moment where, like, I realized that like I didn't matter no more and my ptsd and my emotional childhood neglect my ecn excuse me um it's like that and like uh i i've gone to therapy for it i've gone to you know num- numerous different things and tried emdr and like everything and yes i can never heard i've never heard the uh statistic actually that um yeah each day is like 60 percent the same which kind of sucks it's like um when you're a child of like emotional like neglect it's like when you become a parent it's very hard because you're like you have no blueprint of like how to be you know good and like you like constantly feel like you're like gonna like fail but like ptsd is a real real thing and like emotion is a real important thing and like i really think that like at the core of it that's like the message i think of like my show my podcast is like you really need to treat people well because it's like they could be thinking about that shit like 30 years later you know like i saw something yeah last night at soccer practice right like this kid um fell in this manner and he hit the ground so fucking hard and like everybody was like laughing on the sidelines but like to me like like i had this like moment where i was like oh man like that kid might remember that his whole fucking life because i remember one time like i fell and like landed in the mud and everybody's fucking laughing at me and like it was tough it was a, like a, it's a tough emotion like people like tend to like think that that doesn't like leave like a mark on you like I, maybe for some people it doesn't i don't know but like i am like i'm an emotional person and like i mean like i cry during movies like i'm not afraid to be that that type of person anymore and it's like I think that if more people like talked about like feelings, then there wouldn't be so much like problems in the world, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's hard, especially when, you know, like that statistic and, and um, you know, am blo- Thank you for, you know, opening up. Right. And like you said, like whatever episode number this is, and you're like, I feel safe to like share this. And it's really hard, but I feel like this stuff needs to be normalized. Like it needs to be normalized. And when you, are raised in these different environments, it's like what makes you feel othered? And how yeah. can you regain that sense of belonging? And how can you think about emotions? And there's a really good book that I listened to last year. Um, it's by Mark Brackett, he's the director of the Yale Childhood Center of Development or something, some really smart guy. Um, and the book is called Permission to Feel. And it is textbooky but one of the best books that I've read because it breaks down the importance of emotions and the simple like he has like a five-step process to help people start to actually process and understand emotions because if we don't understand our own emotions and I don't have kids I know you do um many of your listeners do but it's like if we can't understand our own emotions and if we suppress our own emotions how are we supposed to teach our children
0: Exactly. Yes. emotions Exactly. So I am all about it. I'm all about yeah. pro cry. Tell me what's wrong, you know? Yeah. Tell me why it hurts. You know, what happened on the playground that hurts so bad? Because it's like mm-hmm. there's these formative moments. And I've never actually, I don't know why I've never, I like I'm an, I used to be an educator too, as well. But like I never, I mean, the only statistic I ever like shunned around here was that the human brain doesn't really formally mature till age 24. But I never thought about trauma and trauma being seven to ten years old. And it's like, there's these memories I have from seven to 10 that I, like, I don't, I don't know everything about you, Jen, but like, I think that you kind of feel the same that I do. It's like, I meet some people sometimes and they're like, Oh, my life was so wonderful. And Christmas was awesome. And every holiday was like, bada bing, bada bing. We love each other. Whoa. And like, I just don't have that. And it's like... I. Okay, so here's the thing that's even deeper, deeper into the 46-minute hour is that through my deep studies, I did many different things. Therapy, psychedelics, everything under the sun. One of the things that I realized about myself is, though... Sometimes people want to be the victim. They want to, "Ah, I'm the one, it's me. I'm the one on the crime scene. I'm the one that's really hurt. It's me, look at me. And then I heard this podcast one time and I don't know the episode number and I don't know where it's at, but I know it was Duncan Trussell who led me on to hearing this fact that I looked up and it is true that in the Tibetan book of the dead, there's this passage and it's like, Explains basically in a nutshell, like what reality and what reincarnation and what life is. And it's like, you're in this like state of consciousness and then bam, you're in this like massive field, this like battlefield of people and everybody's fornicating, right? And you're looking around and you're like, what's this? What's that? And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, over there, who are they? And then you walk over and your spirit, your soul, something about it tells you that's the story you're going to have to live. And you all of a sudden find yourself in them. And the next thing you know, you're an embryo. And the next thing you know, you're a baby. And the next thing you know, you're a child and then an adult. And then you chose this story. So like, whereas a moment ago, I led on to to everyone, like, you know, like some of my depression. Some of my research has led me to believe that I chose this story so I could tell it to help other people. And that kind of encapsulates what we were saying earlier too is like altruism and like doing things for other people and not asking for return because you believe in the faith of humanity Mm
1: -hmm.
0: somehow when i found that truth and i was like oh i picked this story (laughs) I I, I, i have to do this story now because it's like how i gotta do you know it's like and it made sense to me it's like oh i'm not the victim i'm the storyteller
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I and mean, you become and a storyteller as, yeah
1: and as the storyteller you can choose to write whatever ending you want to choose and it's a lot of it's just rewriting your story it's like you up until this present moment like the the moment that your listeners are listening to this right 48 minutes into this episode their life has been written up until that point but every single moment gives us the opportunity to choose who we want to be in the next one we have the opportunity to choose that next part. And like, I just like, and what's crazy is like when you think about your past, right? Like some people have very traumatic pasts. And then like you were saying, like there's the other people who are like, life is phenomenal. And I'm gonna be honest, I was one of those annoying people. I was that person that I'm like, my life was great. Like in my coaching program, we had to do this life review and everybody was like pouring their heart and soul. I'm like, I got nothing. I got nothing. I was raised in a really nice area. My parents were really good to me. I got everything I wanted, but I still had a quote unquote traumatic thing that was traumatic to me in that very safe upbringing that changed my course for the rest of forever. And it was that I rode my brother's two and a half years older than me. He wanted a trick bike. My parents were at work for the day. My brother came to me. and was like, I need $96 because I obviously still remember I need $96 to buy this trick bike. And the two of us rode our bikes down route 92 in upstate New York, which is to this day, I won't ride my bike on that road. But I was like, yeah, this is a great idea. I was eight, went, bought the bike. Don't know why the bike store traded it in, whatever, got the bike, rode it home, hid it for my parents for two days. When they figured it out, I was the one that got in trouble. Grand scheme of things, not that big of a deal right like people live through a lot worse getting in trouble in that moment solidified the conscious thought that i make bad choices
0: wow that's really deep it's so true because it's like there's this um term in therapy that i learned from uh my therapist at joyful restoration and uh she said that um man that's crazy it's like it's so deep because it's like it only takes like it takes just like this one short short minute to change the trajectory of like what you feel as being and i can't remember the exact author i'm trying to think on the top of my head right now but i don't know what are their sponsors right um fog is the term and it means that you've immediately felt that that moment when you had felt the repercussions of your parents coming down on you and like you're making bad decisions like Fog, fear, obligation, and guilt, guilt over the fact that you made this decision, obligation to your parents to do the right thing. Fear Mm -hmm. of being like, I'm fucking up. I'm fucking up. I don't know what I'm doing, which Mm -hmm. also then leads to somebody later in life, not feeling correct in that room with um, the boss as well.
1: Yeah. Which is why I, and I had no idea I had my, my life like blew open when I was sitting in coach training and they had us drill down to that moment. And I was like, fuck. Fuck. Mm -hmm. This is why it's so hard for me to quit my job. This is why I try to control everything. This is like, that was a passing moment in my childhood that literally made everything else so difficult. And I had no idea because it's like in the moment, you don't think it's anything, but then long-term and all of a sudden I had To like, I was 32 years old when I was able to finally go back and be like, oh, that was it. And of course it's like,
0: and it's our perception of it, right? Like you just made me think of something, Jen. So it's like, okay, so here's something I hadn't thought of in 40, I don't know, 35. I don't even know how old this, my parents had to entrust me at one point with a key, right? And they're like, you're old enough now, you're getting off the bus, you got a key. And then I was down by a park and somebody pushed me into a bush and I lost the key. And my parents freaked out because they have issues with control and over compulsive disorder and all this sorts of other shit came down on me so hard. And were like, how could you lose this key? How could you? And like, dude, it affected me hard. And then like after sleeping on it, I woke up in the morning and realized, Oh my God, he pushed me into the bush, went, ran down, got the key out of the bush, brought it back, showed it to my parents and thought that like, as I was running back with the key that subconsciously, everything would be good again. In fact, it wasn't. And wow, Jan. So it's like, <laughs> ah, wow. <laughs> so that childhood memory of coming home, showing them that I had the key and then being like, it's too late. You already fucked up. Then translate it into like my early jobs as a kid where I would have to close the register at the end of the night. And I used to have all this anxiety about counting the drawer up to a certain amount of money and then dropping off to the deposit thinking like, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not going to deliver the goods. I'm not good enough. And like, this wouldn't happen if we all lived in the woods. <laughs> I don't think you would be like guilted or like, you know, shamed into being like, well, you did do your job out here in the wild. Yeah. You know, like Kumbaya,
1: let's all work together.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, like we covered so much and this has been a really great, great episode. So, I'm definitely going to have you back. And I know you're going to move out to the West and then you're going to have even more profound things to talk about when you return to the podcast. But I can say at the end of this show, at the 54 minute hour, that this was the best, um, how, how do I say? Okay, inquiry from somebody that I know that wants to be on the show. I've had other ones do it and I can tell you that they sucked <laughs> so bad. Like, I'm like, do we even want to talk like about anything real? Like, are we going to talk about like, you know, what the... The parental guidance system of america is and like what ratings of movies are but I, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing everything um tonight on the show
1: thank you for having me and seriously like part of the reason i love your show is because it's it's real like i i used to have my own podcast and which might be why this flows and um but i've been on so many podcasts where it's so rigid i'm like i just want to go talk to someone i want to go talk to bob <laughs> I don't. I I had no questions to prep for. Like I had no scripted. I'm like, let's. I'm gonna go on the podcast. We're gonna exactly. go talk. Like, let, who knows what the hell is gonna come up tonight? Like, let's have fun.
0: <laughs> I was at dinner earlier tonight, and like everyone's like, uh, so he meeting tonight, and I was like, I've never met her. Ever And they're like, do you have any questions? I was like, nope. <laughs> and they're like, do you think that you'd be able to fill like 30 minutes? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, uh, what's that character on SNL that Pete Davidson plays? <laughs> Where he's just like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes like, you know, okay. So like, to summarize, like, you know, this wonderful show that we just did. Treat people with respect. Also pay attention to the way that you talk to people because it can leave a lasting impression, impression on some. And it's, it's a sad thing, but it's like the human condition really is about sharing it with one another and not looking down on your cell phone. And, you know, taking time to get to want to know, getting to want to know somebody for the want of getting to know somebody. Being in the woods and being like, oh, my God, there's another tribe that lives like 100 miles away. Can we go see like that? We've lost that completely. And it's like that's what I like about doing my show is that like people come and they like talk to me and it's like we never would have met before until tonight. So I appreciate and thank,
1: it. And thank you, Jenny Fritz, for the introduction, because she's amazing. I know she's a veteran on your show and she is yeah. literally the kindest person ever. So thank you, Jenny, for being who you are.
0: she is i'm gonna put um information down below for jen so you can contact her I'm, i'm sure she's still going to be doing counseling no matter where she is on the planet um once again thank you so much jen my name's bob and this has been another episode of the bobcast